1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Troops from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 79, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today we're talking with Dan Enfault for part three of our Hunting the Wind DIY Report mini-series, and today we're covering Hunting the Wind in Swamps, so stay tuned. Alright, alright, what is up everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you all are doing well out there. And for those of you who have had the opportunity to go afield, I hope that you've had some uh, ha- had some good luck. I know kind of watching social media here the past week or so, I've seen plenty of big deer hit the ground. Um, and, and I'd be lying if I, if, I, if I didn't say that I was a little bit jealous. I definitely want to make one of those western trips here in the not so distant future uh for a whitetail hunt of course last year i did do an elk hunt don't didn't get the opportunity well not i shouldn't say i didn't get the opportunity to go this year i chose not to go uh for some uh familiar reasons um and taking a taking this year off from that and the next year i don't think i'll get to go out west either because i should draw an iowa tag and will be spending a, several weeks in iowa uh, you know next year so it will eat up most of my my vacation time so maybe the year after but definitely it's on the in the plans to do a an early season western hunt because it just looks super cool looks like a lot of fun the temperatures however didn't look uh so super cool which is um something that might be a little bit different hunting whitetails and some some sweltering heat but you know I guess I won't have to wait nearly as long as some folks. Uh, I know the Pennsylvania State Opener is the 29th of September, and I'm going to assume that that's mostly, you know, I I believe every other state by that point will be open. Um, but I live near two uh, management units or wildlife management units here in Pennsylvania that actually open early. So if you listen to this on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I will be in a tree on Saturday. So really looking forward to getting back to uh, a tree stand. I've been doing plenty of practice. Yeah, I'm pretty well dialed in with my bow, ready to go. I still have to, you know, of course, last minute style. I still have to kind of get all my stuff ready. Got to wash all my clothes, do all that kind of scent prep and, and, and things of that nature. But for the most part, everything's ready to roll. I did just switch out some, uh, my arrows. I've got some new arrows that I'm trying out this year, some day six arrows. Um, so super stoked to be, um, to be using those just got those those built and you know kind of tuned my bow to those and been shooting those for the past couple of days and, and and they're awesome I, the arrow is i think 70 grains heavier than what i was previously shooting so 
there's definitely some thump uh, downrange with those bad boys. And uh, and I think probably the first set I'll do, I'm, I'm probably going to end up heading to that, that piece of swamp ground that I got access to. Um, yeah, I went and checked some cameras today. Unfortunately, the uh, SD card kind of took a took a crash on me. Um, so <laughs> I didn't have anything on the, on, on the camera card. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, but we'll just kind of, we'll go in there and see what happens. The early season, I did see some tracks in there. So it's, it's getting used. Um, it's really that first set. I'm really just kind of looking to get back into a tree and maybe put a put a dough in the freezer um and that's my plan for the early part of the year i'm not sure about the opener you know what i might do there um still kind of waiting and seeing how things kind of pan out over the course of the next couple of weeks in terms of what i see on camera and uh, and what the weather what weather might look like but regardless really looking to getting back into a tree stand and, and can't wait for the for the season, the kit kicked off here uh, this past week and had some nice, cool weather, so it really got me kind of uh, got me kind of Jones in. But before we uh, jump into our podcast, so this is part three uh, of the DIY report uh, mini series we did with Dan Enfault on hunting the wind. This one in swamps. I wanted to pass along some information, so those of you out there might listening might be able to get involved in this giveaway. Um, so Ramcat is, you know, of course, one of our our partners here is doing a monster bu- a monster buck challenge and they're giving away i think it's twenty five hundred dollars worth of arcus uh hunting equipment so this will be everything from you know an obsession bow to the dead down wind products to ramcap broadheads um tinks uh lures and uh and uh trophy taker rest so there's a package twenty five hundred dollar package that they're going to be giving away they're going to give away two packages actually and all you have to do to get involved in this is, is you know, if you need to use a, use a Ramcat broadhead to harvest your buck this year and then submit it to Arcus through um, tagging your image in social media with hashtag monster buck challenge and then email your photo um, to the uh, to to Arcus Media or Arcus, uh, the Arcus company. And the email address you would use to do that would be marketing at Arcus hunting dot com if you do that they'll do a drawing and they'll what they're actually what they're looking to do is pick two of the largest typical or non-typical whitetails that are harvested between 9 1 so september 1st 2018 and december 31st 2018 so if you do those things so again i'll try to make it make it simpler here i thought probably made it more confusing than it needed to be Essentially, buy some Ramcat broadheads, use them to harvest your deer, submit the deer that you harvest with your Ramcat broadheads to Arcus Media by posting them uh, images of them on social media using hashtag MonsterBuckChallenge and then emailing them a photo at marketing at ArcusHunting.com. That'll get you entered to win, and they will choose the largest typical or non-typical whitetail that was harvested between 9-1 and 12-31 um, using a Ramcat broadhead. And then the winner, the two winners will be uh, given prizes uh, in the totaling in the $2,500 range, which will include things like Obsession Bows, Dead Down Wind, Trophy Taker Rests, and Ramcat Broadheads and Tink Lures. So uh, so kill a big deer this year and enter uh, that contest using uh, some Ramcat Broadheads, and hopefully you'll uh, be coming away with some cool stuff. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and turn our attention really quickly to talk about a couple of our partners that help us make this podcast possible. First and foremost, we are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you've ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. And right now, you when you visit wickedtreegear.com, Use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your Wicked purchase. We're also brought to you by the Exodus Outdoor Gear, the Trek camera, 
comes in at a nice price point of $145 and it has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, the same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service policy, great uh, photo, video, time-lapse modes, and hybrid modes, and this all comes with a single-line backlit LED display. You also get about 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. If you'd like to learn more, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and check them out. If you like what you see, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and save yourself $20. So with that, we have part three with Dan Enfall talking some hunting the wind in swamps. And without further ado, let's get the big buck serial killer on the line. All right, folks, welcome back. We are live and you're listening to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast DIY Report mini series, part number three, talking hunting the wind with the serial, our big buck serial, oh, I just totally screwed this up, the big buck serial killer. There we go. Got it right. Mr. Dan Anfall, what's going on, buddy? It's going good. Good. I, I, I butchered your your, uh, your serial killer name there. Now people may just think you are a serial killer instead of the big buck serial killer. That might not well, do. Oh, at least you didn't. At least you didn't introduce me as Don in flat or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't do. I didn't do that. I'd probably just sh- uh, close up shop if that happened. <laughs> but uh, so, thanks again for joining. We're this is part number three. You know, the first two parts we covered. Uh, you know, hunting the wind, and we got into the, into a little bit more than hunting the wind in, in in the past two sections, but really focusing on farm country in the first one, and then hill country. And this one and the theme so far, you know, in my mind and in what I've been picking up is, you know, hunting with that, you know, or accessing or using the wind with that with that kind of like side wind to a degree, especially whenever you're accessing um, th- today on this episode, we're going to talk about hunting swamps and, and using the wind. And I know, you know, before we hit record, I was telling you I'm going to be a little selfish on this one because. You know, I'm a guy who grew up in Western PA and hunt, you know, Western PA, Ohio, and then, you know, I live in Eastern PA now. So um, a lot of it's been hill country and farm country for most of my life. And this, I just recently, this past week, got access to a piece of ground that has some swamp in it. And I've been really excited to kind of try swamp hunting um, because it's something I've never done before. But I also know that it's a place where people don't like to go. So there's a good chance there's going to be good deer there. So with that, I want to start off by asking, you know, we always kind of talk about betting first because you're going to use the wind based on where deer are betting. So give me the Dan Infault tutorial on finding buck beds and bedded bucks in swampland. Okay, well, it's a little different um, than the hill and the farm um, that we talked about in the last podcast mm-hmm. because um, the bucks are more bedded in thick cover so they're bedded more based on sound than they are on sight or or wind direction so they're bedded in something thick where you can't get close to them unless you splash make nuck muck noises or break branches or so um the wind's a little less critical in their bedding um i wouldn't say it's not critical and there's not wind specific bedding but it's a little less critical, so it makes it a little easier. Okay. Um, Is so whenever you were talking about bedded bucks, or I, I assume we're looking for you know whatever the high ground is, right? That's kind of like when we, it's, I guess let's start at the top of view. Like when you're looking at a map, is that what you're kind of trying to detail out? Is where is that where's that high ground that's going to remain dry? I, I'm looking for um, high ground in water mostly, um, because those mature bucks love to be surrounded by water. 
but they want to be on something dry. They can't bed right into water. They'd get hypothermia and die. They can't do it. When you find a bed that's full of water, it's because it flooded. Um, they bed on on dirt or ground, but they can bed on a little hump sticking out of the, out of the water. So um, all you're looking for is something where a high ground transitions slow into water, like points often have that, where you, you know as the point goes into the water, you have dogwood and you have trees that grow in that kind of water area and those trees will create humps. So some of it will be underwater, some of it won't, and it'll be a thick area. And uh, those are the kind of places they prefer to bet. So I'm really looking at the transition of that swamp. Um, cattail marshes are a great example because they're so easy to look at and read because of the contrast of cattails to trees. So what you're looking at is that rim where the cattails meet the trees. And you're looking for some sort of change in that terrain, like a point going onto those cattails of trees, or a bowl going into the woods that's got mixed trees and cattails, or an island out in there, right? Right. Well, swamp's the exact same thing, except for in a swamp, there's trees in the water areas, and it's a lot harder to see because there's not the contrast of the cattails. But it's exactly the same if you can take a step back and read it, you know, that same transition line where the water meets the high ground kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, that's where the bucks are going to be better in the same kind of spots. So when you're talking, and it totally makes sense, whenever you're talking about, you know, where they're betting, that it, it, you know, the sound is going to be, you know, important because you're going to make a lot more noise walking in there and, and the wind may be less important, you know, in terms of where they're betting. But, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the past two podcasts was was access, and that's, you know, really strongly based on what the wind is doing in relationship where the, the where the bucks are betting. But now that we're having to deal with like the added element of this significant noise, like how are you, like how do you access in a swamp? I guess, and I'm asking really for me at this point because I'm going, if I can't, if I'm not worried about wind too much, and I'm going to make a lot of noise, and you have to get relatively close, like what is like how do you get how do you access in these types of areas? Well, it depends on where they're betting. When they're betting on the transition line of hard ground in, in water, it's not too hard. But you just take the hard, high ground to them and you keep the wind to your advantage. Um, but when they're in a swamp, like out on a small island or something, that can be a little tricky. Uh, and there are some spots where I cannot get near them, you know, because of noise um, in the evenings. So I'll, I'll make an attempt at it in the morning or I'll just kick them out of there so you don't bed there and hunt them where I can. Um, now, when you look at the transition along uh, high ground, um, a lot of times uh, what will happen is on those points is it's the opposite of hill country, kind of. So you're thinking that they're, they're bedded there with the wind blowing down that point. But what I'm finding is they bed on that, that, that point. You, you know what I mean by point? Point of timber that shapes like a uh, an arrow point went out into either cattails or swamp. Yeah, it, it kind of juts out and it, it makes a little, you know, just like an arrow almost kind of sticking out. Sure. Yeah. Sure, but it's not like a hill point. Right. Yeah. Kind of similar, right? Right. So when you look at the tip of that, if the wind is blowing towards the timber, like into the point towards mm-hmm. the woods, you can expect them to bed right on the edge of that swamp looking up the point. So and you'll see out. beds in relation to that. You'll see rubs there and beds where he can see you coming down that point. Right. So are you saying... If you go a little further... Go ahead. I was going to say, are you saying he's looking... 
he's looking out the point into like the the swamp to a degree. Like he's, he's watching you coming. No, okay. he's watching you coming. He's looking into the woods. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Up the point. Yep. Now, if the wind's blowing down the point, and it's blowing into the, the swamp, into the cattails, whichever you have, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to be further into the to the cattails or swamp at a transition or under a hump of you know on a hump under a tree or something. He's going to be further out. So you're going to see beds right on that point, mm-hmm. and you're going to see them twenty, thirty, or fifty yards into the swamp. And that's what those are going to be is for the different wind directions. Hmm. And you can tell because of the shape of the bed. They're going to have the obstacle to their back or whatever, or if they're in a completely thick cover, the bend of their back, you can see which way they're, they're bedded. And they're always, even if there's a sound bed, they're bedding with that wind to their back. Right. You know, they just turn to have it to their back. So with, with all that water around or being as damp as it is, right? Like I'm imagining the thermals kind of play hell in that area. Is that is that true? And 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 what's kind of dictating like the consistency or the inconsistency of the wind in those in those situations? Now, when we were talking about hill country, you got to live and die by thermals. There's no way to beat thermals in hill country. You got to predict them and know what it's going to do. You might not know what the wind direction is going to do. That can be fickle, but that thermal is always going to be consistent. It's going to do the same thing every morning and every evening. But when you get in swamps, it's a little different. I find spots do the same thing, but not every spot does the same thing. It has a lot to do with water temperature. So water thermals are regulated by how hot that water gets um, during the day when it heats up from the sun or how cold that water is at some point, colder than the air. Um, When it's warm, it's going to be heating the air above it, and that air is going to be rising, and it sucks the air in from the dry land which is the common problem we have to deal with with swamps. So if you set up in the middle of a point with a deer coming out to the side or coming out of the water, and you can expect your thermal to pull down to that water where that deer is. So um, a lot of times if it's a little hump of a point or a little hump of an island or something, I'll make sure I'm on the edge on the opposite side so my scent is pulling out into that swamp before it rises. Or you can set up right in the water, and have your your windows straight up, and then a deer could be right underneath you. It won't smell you. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. <laughs> yeah, it's. I remember watching a video that you did with milkweed sitting over, I think it was in a swamp over a water hole, throwing milkweed and watching your milkweed kind of float out, float out, float out. It would hit that water and shoot straight up in the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean? So it's, so, so let me ask this. So, are you setting up a stand location? So, they're, so they're, say they're betting on that on that point. Mm-hmm. Are you setting up where the where it transitions from swamp to just say hardwood, for example, or whatever the whatever the timber line is? Or are you sitting mm-hmm. a little further further in the timber line? I'm sitting as close to that bed as I can get that I'm outside of his sight, smell, and sound. 
So, and that's one of the best things about swamp is I can get a lot of times 50, 75 yards from them. You know, a lot of times I can see them when they stand up. Um, but you can't do that in hill or farm. Usually you have to be way further back. Um, so I'm getting really close. So I'm usually real, real close to that swamp edge. And, you, you know, I need to be. A lot of the deer I'm shooting, I'm watching them get out of their bed. You know, 50, 75 yards from me, as far as mature deer go. And I'm shooting them at closing time. If you're 200 yards back, you ain't got a chance in hell. Right. Yeah. Is there, do you run into any issues? Because swamp is one of those areas where, at least, I'll just give you the example, the piece that I got access to. Um, the, the, it, there's, it, it's not a huge parcel, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be deer probably pretty well condensed. And what I can see from Topo, because I just got access to it, I haven't had a chance to scout it yet. It seems like the best bedding in general, obviously, is going to be in that swamp area. And I'm imagining most of the deer that are on there are probably going to be somewhere in or near that. So do you run into a lot of situations like that where it's like, yeah, that buck you might be hunting is there. But because all the deer are probably in such close proximity because the swamp area is kind of constricting them or restricting them into a certain area that you have to be really mindful about any of the, you know, what we talked about earlier, any of the satellite deer at that, at that point. Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need tools that can keep up. We don't baby our gear, taking on whatever Mother Nature dishes out. Check out Wicked Tree Gear hand saws and pull saws at wickedtreegear.com. Use promo code TRUTH to save yourself 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. And get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. Sure, it's no different than when we talked about on, on farm country. Uh, uh, and I hunt uh, some swamp that's got a high population. And, and you know, you, you got to be mindful. I mean, but I can still get pretty close without spooking them because they're in that transition usually. Um, so other than farm country where there might be up the tree line further and you don't know exactly where they're going to be and you jump them out of the grass or whatever, you don't see that so much in, in swamp. They're usually along that transition of swamp, you know, somewhere along that edge of the water or when you were looking at those topo maps, those little high spots in the swamp where you got a, a, a bunch of trees out there in one little tiny spot. Um, but there, you know, I've been, I've crept up on a point in the swamp and climbed up a tree and, and not spooked a deer and had 10 different deer get up within 50 yards of me. Swamp is a lot easier. I mean, you got walls of thick crap all around you. And as long as you're really slow and quiet, you can get right on top of them things and you can get up a tree. Um, the big thing about swamp is people think they're being so noisy going in there because you sound like a freight train going through that <laughs> crap, right? But the right. truth of the matter is, your sound doesn't travel through that swamp grass and stuff that well. You're hearing it because you're in it. And case in point, I've been out in those cattails, and all of a sudden there's a hunter 20 yards from me, you know, like a pheasant hunter or something. I'm like, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> Never heard him? Hey, how how did he come through so quiet? And he's right. not trying to be quiet. He's a pheasant hunter. Right. Well, the, the thing is that that sound, before it gets to me, is hitting a wall of cattails. So those deer aren't smell or aren't hearing you as much as you think they are in, in that type of terrain because they're down in that, that thick cover. Now, when you get up a tree, the sounds you make are a lot more critical. Now, you break a branch or something that's going to hear you and look up and see you, and mm-hmm. you know that's where you have to really be slow. Um, but you can get right on top of them things. Right. So, I mean, I guess for me, like since this is my first swamp endeavor, 
Like, what are like the three critical things I need to be mindful of? Or let me start this way. Let me start this way. What are the things that I should really be looking for when I first step foot on this property? I'll do some topo scouting and stuff like that. But when I set foot on this property, what are like the what are like the main things I should be really looking for? Look for points jutting out into that swamp. Look for high ground in that swamp. So, so get a good basis on where they're bedding, and then get a good basis on where they're feeding. Um, if you have acorns at the time that you're hunting, swamps can be the the best thing in the world. I know it gets a little away from your your wind theme, but it's worth mentioning is that uh, when you're in hill country or farm country, in a lot of cases they can bed really really close to those acorns and you can't get near them. But in swamps, they're going to move to those acorns, but they're going to bed in the swamp. And those points are usually high enough ground that they have good oaks on them. And those deer are going to bed off those points, get up and go to that first acorn tree and start eating. And uh, some of my best luck in swamps has been based on points going into those swamps with oak trees. Right. So I'm trying to think. I just had a, had a, a question that I wanted to ask, and I just totally, totally lost it. And then, and then, too, a lot of times I'm setting up on an off wind, not the wind in my face, because of what we said earlier. If I'm going down that point and the wind's in my face, those bucks are better on the edge. What should be coming down that point? Now I can only get so close, right? Right. So if he's just going to make it to that first oak tree, now I'm going to sit way back and watch it get under that oak tree, and there's nothing I can do about it. So if I wait till I got the wind blowing in there at him, got a little bit of a crosswind. You know, right. just a little bit of an off one, one way or the other. And I get to the side I need to be so it's not blowing at those beds. Now I could slide up along the edge real slow, and now he's bedded further back, you know, in sound cover because of the wind disadvantage. Now I can get close to the tip and get him right when he gets up to that first uh, oak tree. But if you do it on the wrong day and you're too far back, he's going to smell that you're there, and now you burn that spot. Right. I didn't even think of oaks on a, in a swamp because that's, I mean, it being restricted in an area, right? It's like and you have the one prime food source during that time of the year nearby you. That's That's got to be dynamite. And so I'm remembering what I was going to ask. So we talked earlier about how deer are kind of entering and, and exiting their beds. And this is what we, we were talking in farm country where, you, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, when a deer's leaving their bed, they really don't, they're really not minding the wind so much. They're more interested in it whenever they're entering to make sure that they're kind of looking out for danger. Do you see any, see any differences in how deer kind of enter or exit beds in, in swamp versus, you know, whether hill, hill country or, or farm country, or is it the same? Uh, no, it's, they just pretty much get up and go from point A to point B. They just, you know, they feed their way. You know, they go slow and they stage waiting for darkness. So you got to get within that window, but it's pretty much the same. The only difference is that makes them, you have an advantage in swamp terrain, especially in early season, mm-hmm. is that you can get so close. Right. So with all of that, and we talked about your stand locations and kind of how you like to set up on, on swamp, is there anything that you feel that is critical that I need to kind of take into consideration, especially you know dealing with wind and swamp that uh, that we didn't cover? Or do you think you think I have you think uh-huh. I have the, have the cliff notes to go ahead and give it a sachet? yeah i I think you pretty much got it i think if there's one thing i'd say about uh the wind in relation to swamp differing from like uh like hill country is that uh when you get get rot like in hill country you can really predict that travel on that one third line Mm -hmm. but in the swamps um during the rut i have a really hard time getting them to come out where i can shoot them they stay in that thick stuff Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to hunt them 
Um, you know, just based on the winter supply you can in, in hill country. Right, right. That's interesting. So that's that's good to kind of keep in mind. So at that point, I mean, are you are they just staying back in the thick stuff to where you can't get a shot, or, or is, do you have a move at some point to where you can kind of get in a little closer, or is it just one of those things because of the nature of the way well, the swamps are? You, you know, I think about the cattail marsh, and uh, uh, often I'm sitting there watching them in the cattails running around circles chasing. You know, I can't even see them, or you just get a glimpse of the antlers or something, and it's so thick that you have to be right on top of the trail and shoot exactly straight down in order to kill them. I mean, the stuff's 10 feet tall and, and it's a wall. Um, you, you, they, uh, they'll go downwind of uh, dole bedding. They'll cross the trails of dole bedding, but killing them things is hard. And, and the biggest advantage I find to getting them in the swamps really doesn't have nothing to do with wind as much, but it's... Uh, um, finding a little open area, real small open area that connects two thick areas. Right. Awesome. And where they cross, you can kill them. I feel yeah, much. As as goes. I feel much better now about headed into uh, into my swamp endeavor. Here, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted. If it's anything like the advice that I got from you for the uh, the hill country and uh, the deer I put on my wall from Ohio, then you might have another <laughs> bottle of bourbon coming your way, my friend. So we'll we'll keep our fingers, All right. we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Awesome, man. So that kind of concludes our, uh, our our three parts. Um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this information. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just let folks know where they could uh, find out more information about you. I know you've got some exciting stuff happening. Uh, it, it, you know, personally with some with some beast stuff. So if if you uh, if you can kind of indulge us, if you can share, you know, uh, feel feel free to do so. Sure. Um... Saturday, that might even be before you release these. I don't know. But uh, Saturday, we're uh, releasing the bee sticks, the climbing sticks that I made that are uh, they're two pounds. They're made for mobile guys. Um, built them for myself. And then uh, some of my business partners got so excited about them, they said, you have to sell these. <laughs> Which, and I don't have this huge advantage over everybody, but I, <laughs> right. I guess we're going to do it. <laughs> Get rid of all your secrets, man. You know? But uh, uh, you can find out more about me by going to uh, my forum, uh, which is a website where uh, where we chat in depth about tactics, and that's thehuntingbeast.com. Or you can find me on Facebook. Um, I've got a good YouTube channel. Um, got some really good hunts in there that go into detail about tactics. Uh, you might have to dig through a few of me chasing raccoons down and catching them or something, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I like the fun videos too. <laughs> right. But uh, the YouTube video is pretty cool. And, and I've got some really in-depth tactical DVDs that I sell on the, on my website um, yeah. that are uh, pretty popular. Yeah. So, you seen them. Yeah. Um, I, I will just say that the Hunting Beast is probably one of the, if not the best resource for really kind of going becoming a hardcore bow hunter and in, in, in my opinion and, and and beyond all the tactical stuff that, that you you know everyone shares on there like i've met some of the best dudes that i'm actually now really good friends with on on the on the beast um guys that i would have never met before that are dudes i go to and i shoot you know total archery challenge shoots with those guys will come in from new york and we'll travel together and go shoot together you know, we started hunting together. It was a guy from my hometown who I never, never knew like a day in my life that we connected on a hunting beast and we hunt the same areas back home. Um, so it's just a bunch of cool dudes. I will give it that, that shameless plug that it's definitely worth, uh, worth checking out. And, uh, Dan, I just want to say thanks to you, man. You know, you do a lot of cool stuff for hunters. Um, you do it the right way. And, uh, 
you always have our back and we appreciate that. And so thanks for coming on and thanks for being you. And, uh, and I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. And that is in fact a wrap for this DIY report mini series with Dan. I'd like to, of course, thank him for joining us and be sure to visit his website, thehuntingbeast.com and follow along on the hunting beast, Facebook, uh, Facebook group page. Um, super great hunters, awesome hunters, and awesome guys just in general. If, you, if there's any ever any questions you have about deer hunting in general, um, this is a great place to go and ask the question. Um, no question is, is off limits. Uh, everyone is there to help and learn. Um, it's probably one of the best places, if not the best place, to kind of sharpen your hunting skills um, with some guys who have been getting it done for a long time. So great place to check both of those places out. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for following along here on the podcast if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating uh and be sure to subscribe to the podcast we'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for us and before we shut this thing down we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible wicked tree gear exodus outdoor gear trophy ridge ozonics obsession bows tecamani seed glacier coolers ramcat broadheads trophy taker rests and dead down wind and until next time, we'll see y'all. Gotta get All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.